Women as One promotes talent in medicine by bringing the unique talents of women to the forefront. We believe that, as one, women can use their collective voice to change the landscape of medicine. I'm Nancy Schweitzer. I'm an MD-PhD and a heart failure transplant cardiologist. I'm the chief of cardiology and the director of the Sarver Heart Center at the University of Arizona in Tucson, Arizona. And I'm a professor of medicine also at the University of Arizona. And my other job title is that I am the editor-in-chief of Circulation Heart Failure. I grew up in a pretty working-class family in western Massachusetts mostly. I was born in Wisconsin, northern Wisconsin. When I was eight, my family moved to western Massachusetts. My dad was a paper mill worker. He was a paper chemist with a specialty in a particular type of paper, and there were only three mills in the U.S. that made that paper, one in northern Wisconsin, one in western Massachusetts, and one in Georgia. So I did most of my growing up in western Massachusetts in a small town of 20,000 people, very blue-collar, working-class town. I had really almost no experience or encounters with the medical profession other than going to my pediatrician. But I was a really good sort of science and math kid. I love science and math. And after high school, went to the University of Pennsylvania. And during my late high school, early college years, my grandfather developed colon cancer, became ill and died. And I got really interested in doing scientific research that was relevant to human disease. That became a passion of mine. And when I was in college, my counselor told me about MD-PhD programs, and I thought, well, that sounds perfect, because then my science will really be relevant to human disease. But I really thought I'd be a scientist who had an MD, not an MD who also had science experience. So, And that was really largely because of my inexperience with medicine and what medicine was. So I ultimately enrolled in the MD-PhD program at the University of Wisconsin, And long story short, as I got into medicine, discovered I loved medicine. I loved taking care of patients. And that became a passion of mine. And now I think I'm a doctor who does science and not a scientist who who knows about medicine. I enjoyed internal medicine. I enjoyed the cardiology I saw. But then as a fourth-year medical student, I did a sub-I at the VA hospital. And I diaresed 100 pounds off of three patients in a week, and I loved it. And a heart failure cardiologist was born. It was just so rewarding (laughs) to treat heart failure. And these guys had really horribly untreated heart failure. And so not only did I evolve over, you know, a very short period of time into a cardiologist, but into a heart failure cardiologist, I think pretty early on I differentiated. As the chief here, I'm very involved in recruiting of new fellows, and every year I say, you know, this is the best job in the world, and I truly think that. I mean, I, I feel like I'm one of those fortunate people who found what she was supposed to do, a sort of along a wandering path. And I just feel like I was supposed to be a heart failure cardiologist. It's really, really what I love. So first I have to say the reason I was at Wisconsin was Pam Douglas. And Pam was the chief at Wisconsin when I went there in 2001 from Brigham and Women's Hospital. Pam is probably the single most important mentor in my career in terms of helping me realize what my skill set is, how to value and use my skill set, but also how to sort of hold myself back and you know was sort of the best Pam quote I have is I went to her one day and I said oh I've been asked to do XYZ you know be on some committee or something and she said Nancy you absolutely shouldn't do that and I said but 
I would really add value to this. She said, Nancy, you will add value to everything you choose to do, but you have to choose to do the right things. And that was really important. And I think for a lot of women, we say, oh, well, you know, this, I could help that, these guys and I could help those guys and I could help. And you, that is not the reason to do things. <laughs> and that was such a valuable lesson to me. So I have to give Pam a shout out. Generally, Madison was a good place for me. Well, in 2006, my husband developed acute lymphocytic lymphoblastic leukemia, ALL. And so in 2012, he died. I had six years of, you know, bone marrow transplant chemotherapy and interactions with the healthcare system in a way that was unique to me, having been on the other side of things for a long time. So that was a hard time. I had two relatively young children. They were six and eight when he was diagnosed and 12 and 14 when he died. And Madison became kind of a sad place for me. I needed to change, which is, happens often, I think, when people go through pretty substantial grief responses. You just need a big change. The headhunter call for this job at Arizona came on a day that I was extremely frustrated. Things had been pretty stagnant for five to eight years without much change or advancement of the program. And I'm one of those people, one of those somewhat rare people who loves change. Things have to always be evolving and moving and advancing or I'm unhappy. And I was unhappy that day. And the headhunter called me and said, would you be interested in sending in your CV for this position in Arizona? And I said, yes, I would. And I like shot off my CV. It was the right day. I was fed up. Now on the plane, on the way to Phoenix, I read the book Lean In which was fantastic because I landed ready to go. I was going to just kill this interview. I was going to lean in the next day. So the next morning, I was the first interview, and I walked into this big, huge NBA stadium, and I saw Robert Sarver coming across the lobby. They had a game in L.A. the night before, and he was coming into the lobby, and I was early. And I saw him coming, and, I, and he was clearly heading for the Starbucks, so I headed for the Starbucks and coincided my arrival with his. And he said, he introduced himself and said, what are you doing here? And I said, well, I'm interviewing for a job. And he said, oh, really, what job? And I said, director of the Server Heart Center. And he was playing dumb, and I was playing dumb. And he bought me coffee, and we had a little conversation. And then when I went into my interview, I felt like I had a leg up. I'd already met Robert Sarver, who obviously was influential in the decision-making. But I also sort of killed the interview. It was really a nice, appropriate step up for me. And I love Tucson. I'd never lived south in a warm place, and I wasn't sure about it. I fancied myself a northern girl who loved cold weather and was adapted to the seasons, but I just love living here. It's wonderful. My real goals were to come in. The cardiology division and the heart center had been run prior to my arrival by uh, an absolutely eminent cardiologist named Gordon Avey, and Gordon's research underlies chest compression-only CPR. And you know, he's saved more lives than I could ever hope to save in my life. But he'd been in his role for around 30 years. He was beloved. I am about as different from Gordon as a person gets. And so it was a big kind of climb to step into his shoes and convince people that I was the right person for this position, even with uh, you know, the support of the search committee and the people who had made the decision to hire me. But one of the things I noticed was that, to some extent, the place 
had rested on its laurels for about a decade, and there had maybe been some slippage in terms of providing modern, state-of-the-art cardiovascular care. So I saw some opportunities to make some quick, important hires and step up the practice in particular areas, and in particular, heart failure and transplant, where, which transplant was still being largely run out of surgery when I got here, and there weren't heart failure transplant cardiologists here. So that was a clear area to grow. And then electrophysiology, they were incredibly talented electrophysiologists here, but a very small number of them, and they weren't doing ablation in any quantity. And so I saw an opportunity to hire an ablationist and really transform EP. And then there weren't enough general cardiologists. We just needed to do a lot of building. So that was my clinical agenda. My research agenda was really to improve crosstalk between basic science and clinical science in cardiovascular medicine and use the heart center role to build translational and early phase clinical studies. So that was my agenda. I would say I've had modest success with the agenda. I would say my big success has been EPI hired a terrific AFib ablationist out of the Penn program. He's been transformational here. Heart failure and transplant, I had early success. I was able to hire a group of very talented heart failure transplant cardiologists who had contemporary training and understood contemporary transplant and VAD management. Recently, and probably by the time you air this, it will be public. It's not quite public now. It will be probably within the next week. But took a position here in the VP for Health Sciences office as director of a graduate program in clinical and translational sciences, which I see as really a way to firm up the kind of training aspects and research aspects of what I want to do in the Heart Center, but increase my reach across the health sciences campus at the university. Because of my experience with Pam Douglas, I realized the power of having a sponsor, basically. You know, someone who cares about you and your career and, and guides you in terms of thoughtful career development. And I think the singular most gratifying aspect of being chief of cardiology for me is helping young people think about in a deliberate way, career development, and what do they want, and what are the steps to get from where they are to what they want, and are they on that path? Because I think a lot of us grow up in academic environments and think, oh yeah, I want that, but we have no idea what it takes to get that, and no one ever tells us. And so I spend a lot of time with very active and deliberate career development um, with my young faculty. And then I also um, work hard, you know, particularly in this time when I work for an, an organization, the healthcare side of which really wants me to hire uh, 1.0 FTE clinicians, and they don't care so much about academic endeavors. But we're a teaching institution. I'm an academician at heart. I don't want to hire people who all they care about is seeing patients all day, every day. I want to hire people who are great at taking care of patients and want to take care of patients, but I want people who have a, a more scholarly mindset about their practice, who are inquisitive about how we can elevate the practice and make things better as we move forward. And so I've been very deliberate in my hiring of 
every faculty member in trying to find those people who just have that fire in the belly for discovery and inquiry. Because I feel like many of them are coming out of fellowship and they say, all I want to do is see patients. I've done research. It's not my thing. But I think if I put someone with the right kind of background and phenotype into a supportive environment where they could do clinical research easily, and I have a very robust sort of infrastructure for clinical research, I think three, four, five, seven years in, when they've seen a lot of patients and they start to think, "Mm, maybe I need a little more in my life, I think what I want to do is have this fertile environment where they say, I'm going to start doing some clinical trials or try this or mentor some more fellows in database development and writing papers. And I'm hoping that we can like organically evolve a very academic faculty despite a culture of heavy clinical workloads. And I do see that paying off and working for my faculty and that's been really gratifying. With regard to women, I think, you know, and I learned this again from Pam, if you put a woman in charge, women come. If, you know, women who interview here and interview with a, a female chief of cardiology can see themselves here. And women who go to divisions that are all male and interview with only men don't see themselves there. And seeing yourself and seeing yourself growing and evolving professionally is really, really important, I think. And I don't think we understand how important it is until we see what happens at places like this and what happened at Wisconsin under Pam. So I was the second woman to join cardiology here. And I will say Arizona has been very deliberate and focused in trying to increase diversity, especially in leadership. And within a year of my arrival here, or two years, We had a female chief of cardiology, a female chair of surgery, and a female chair of medicine. And I don't think any place else in the country has all three of those women. So that's pretty remarkable and really sends a message about the institution and women to notice. I would interview fellows, I would interview faculty candidates, and they'd say, you know, I'm really impressed at how many women are in leadership in Arizona. And then again, they're seeing themselves and and wanting perhaps their career to start there. And I've been able to successfully recruit a number of women, I think, because they say, I'm going to be mentored there in a different way than I would be mentored at these other places. Even though, you know, there are wonderful mentors at these other places, they're men. And I try to convey that I'm going to personally be involved in career development and mentoring of um, the faculty when I hire them and it it helps attract women and I you know I go with my gut on talent and people I try to hire people that I want to work with I want to be up at two in the morning with these people so I think selecting for emotional intelligence a scholarly mindset and ambition one of my favorite things to tell women is it's okay to want to work it's okay to want to be ambitious. Women, I think, are not given permission to be ambitious. And if you're in cardiology, you're almost by definition ambitious. I think giving women that permission to say, let's go for it and we'll go for it together, is a really important message that I found profoundly moving to a lot of women who feel conflicted about being as ambitious as they are.